Welcome to the Racially Responsible Podcast, a show designed to call in, support, and provide loving accountability for white women and anti-racism work. If you have ever questioned your role and approach in this work or wondered how you can create an impact for racial equity and justice, you are in the right place. I'm your host, Rory Geller Muhammad, a white woman doing this work alongside you in real time with my family, local community, and institutions that I'm connected to. I'm also a licensed clinical social worker, the creator of the Changemakers program, and deeply committed to working for a safe, loving, and inclusive world. I'm so glad you're listening and joining me on this journey. Here we go. Welcome everyone to the Racially Responsible Podcast. I am super excited today to introduce our guest. Our guest is Allison Tedford. Allison Tedford is a diversity and inclusion consultant from Abbotsford, BC, Canada. She is an indigenous woman with a disability who has over a decade of experience working on inclusion topics with the Canadian government and several years years more in the private sector, helping brands to communicate with and about marginalized people. She has authored three books and helps small businesses learn how to be inclusive. Allison is an amazing person. I'm super excited to be able to have this conversation with her now and for all of you to hear it. Welcome, Allison. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. So Allison, I always like to start off um, giving guests an opportunity to talk about their racial, ethnic, cultural background, any other identities that you'd like to share. Sure. Um, I'm an Indigenous woman. Uh, my family is um, Guasalanaquita, um, part of Quaquitl, um, and I'm also somebody who has a disability. I'm a single parent um, and a woman moving in the world. So, yeah, lots, lots of intersection points there. Yes, definitely. And I definitely, you know shows up in the way you do so much advocacy and the work that you're doing as well, bringing your identities in. Um, so you do so many, I know you do so many amazing things. <laughs> um, could you tell us a little bit about the DEI work, the diversity, equity, and inclusion work that you do? For sure. I have a program called More Than Words um, Inclusion, and it's for small business owners who are looking to make their business more inclusive. So we look at their online presence, how their business is operating, and we look at how they communicate about those things. Basically, we're looking at what are your values and how do you show that in the way that you run your business and the way you talk about it and the way you call in your customers. That's, so that's, that's awesome. Awesome. What are some of the most the most common challenges that you see when people are coming to you, you know, and need support around these things? Often people are observing things happening in the world around them and they're wondering how to talk about them. They're wondering how to share how they feel about things to, to their customers and they wanna make a statement. But ultimately what we end up looking at is not just like how do we make a one-off statement for social media, but how do we develop copy that's gonna mean that when somebody lands on your website, they know where you stand and they can make a decision about whether you're um, a service provider that is in alignment with them and that has the support that they need in order to work with you. Um, and then also looking at like, what is the statement that you wanna make and is it congruent with the way that you're operating your business? Because you might feel a certain way, but it may not have trickled down into the way things are running. So we look at making sure that the communication and the brand experience match so that when you put out that energy into trying to share about your values and explaining to people why 
um, you're a good choice for them when they arrive and get to experience your services, that that's the experience that they have, that they, that they get what you, your brand promise was and um, that it's all cohesive and, and hangs together appropriately. And, and the things that you really care about are reflected in your day-to-day -day operations. Yeah, I, I love that so much. You're pointing that out, both like that it's shown so people are known, people are aware, especially as a consumer, right? You want to, for us, it's being able to know where where our money is going or what we're getting, who do we want to work with if we're choosing somebody. Um, I, I think that's so important. And then also that it's actually being reflected in the work that's being done and that there is, you know, that nobody's being harmed, right? There's no harm being done in, the, in that process. For sure. And I mean, it's really because like you could make a statement, but ultimately the comments that always come after that is like, and so what does that mean? What does that look like? Right? right. Like, what does that translate to in terms of action? What are you doing about it? And so it's really, I mean, lots of people come to me because they want to make a statement because, but they don't want to be seen as a bandwagon jumper. So the work that we do is like, it doesn't, have to be a performative thing to make a statement and it isn't performative if that's actually how you feel and that's actually how you do life so it's right. just finding that alignment of those pieces yeah yes definitely one of the things i always like to talk about on, on the podcast too is people's journey um in dei work and all of that how would you say from when like you first kind of begotten became involved in this work has it been similar to like how you are showing up now? Has it changed for you? What's kind of been your journey in navigating that process? Um, for sure. I started working with the Canadian federal government and doing work on integrating um, Indigenous issues with corrections in terms of making sure that um, policy was culturally sensitive, that services were being delivered in a way that was appropriate, that we had options that were available to clients that made sense for them. So, uh, and then looking at the um, outcomes from a corporate results perspective and looking at how people were doing based on their profile. So that was kind of where I started was within government. And then when I moved into the private sector, I started doing a lot of marketing around uh, that included educational components around social issues impacting um, Indigenous people and, and supporting Indigenous and Black um, nonprofits. And then ultimately what I had was brands coming to me asking, like, how do I make a statement? How do I create this copy? And so um, that's where the program was born, was from meeting this need in the industry where people didn't know how to sell with sensitivity during difficult times. They didn't know how to address what was happening. And they were concerned in looking at some of the examples where those responses had been less successful. They wanted to make sure that they were setting themselves up for success with their audience. Right, right. No, that's um, awesome. Thank you for sharing that journey. Did anything for you like change within your own process or the way like you were doing anything or it's kind of like, you know, you were always kind of showing up the same way around it? Um, I know that my earlier work was really focused on Indigenous issues, mm -hmm. where now um, my practice is a lot more intersectional and in that it looks at disability issues, it looks at gender issues, it looks at sexual orientation, like um, 
all sorts of facets mm -hmm. of the human experience um, because my work used to be very targeted and now it's um, it's a bit more broad. And so I get to support people in yeah. supporting a whole range of folks. That's, that's awesome. I love your, you know, how you're able to focus and really pay attention to that intersectionality. That, that's awesome. Um, so you, I know you were an amazing writer. I know writing, your writing is very inspiring. So thank you for, I know you put a lot of things out there. Um, one, I wanted to, to kind of talk to you because I know you've written, um, I mean, I can think of two of your pieces that stick in my head that you wrote. So one about like the school, your own, your school experience of like putting your, your child into school, right? And around the indigenous identity and like what that, that experience of being someone, an indigenous woman doing that. Um, and then even recently, um, I, I believe your piece about um, the response with like with the unmarked graves that were found in the residential school, how... Um, I mean, it's like your writing, I think is really, it's really advocacy, right? I feel like it's really um, so much of it. It's so strong, right? For creating change, which is so awesome and really like bringing attention to things that maybe pe people should have been paying attention to and weren't. Um, what's, what's that process been like for you? Um, it's definitely been an adventure. I mean, I have always been a writer. I started doing uh, a gamami blog like probably I don't know seven eight years ago and that was how I ended up transitioning into being an online service provider was through my connections through writing and my experience creating sponsored content for brands and then I was like hey I actually know how to speak to these people your your corporate blog is a little bit empty maybe we want to address that too at the same time and so it ended up becoming a funnel for my online service business. And then um, it's also been an avenue for advocacy because what I find is that we can talk about issues broadly, but when you understand how it impacts people on an individual level, that's where you can find the empathy and the compassion, where it's not theoretical people who might be having theoretical challenges. When someone can tell you, this is what it looks like, this is how it feels, this is what it means to me to wake up and have this challenge. So that's really been the driving force behind my writing is that it, it also helps give voice to people who have had these challenges and they just don't have the right words to express it or they don't feel confident expressing it. And so it's kind of like sharing your story first and then somebody else can be like, this is what it's like. And it, it just arms them for conversations that they might not otherwise feel prepared to have. So. That's basically what drives me to write is that I, I want to create avenues for people to self-advocate, for people to recognize their own challenges, because sometimes you're stuck against something and you don't know what it is and you can't name it. Um, but when you can read through someone else's experience and it's similar, then you can get to kind of diagnose like what is going on here and understand what you're facing more clearly. Right. No, definitely. And you know, I think like, which is what you're saying really resonates. Like, I think, you know, that idea of being able to, through writing and helping people to kind of empathize about a situation or people self-advocate and using it in that way. Um, for other people that maybe want to use writing as a way to create change or to do that, do you, do you have any advice? Like what advice would you give? Cause I imagine putting something out there, like I'm sure a lot of emotions could come up and, and all of that. Um, and so for people who want to use writing as a way to, for that avenue of change, do you have any advice around that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's important to think about like, what is your goal? What are you hoping to see? 
um, so that you can assess like how effective a piece is um, and you can manage your expectations around what it can do and really check in with yourself around like, what are you hoping to achieve? What are you hoping to share? What are you willing to share with the world? Because this stuff stays forever. So what is what are you comfortable with sharing about yourself and having out there in the world? And really looking at, you know, what do people need? What are the gaps in understanding? What are the questions that you're answering all the time? And what are the things that people get wrong about what you're dealing with? And really finding ways to create content that answers those questions where you can simply just send a response. Like I, I created something around, um, issues around cold pitching people diet products. And so now I, I have a piece that I can just send to somebody who puts me in that position where I can explain why I have ethical concerns and what my issues are around it. And I don't have to keep having those same conversations all the time. Yeah. I've actually, I've heard that once before too, actually about this idea of like, you know, once you're able, it, it kind of takes like that labor of putting it out there. Once it's down once, you don't have to keep repeating that same labor because you're able to sort of share like this is the piece that already that addresses it that's that's awesome um what are some of the common mistakes that you see from people um you know that value like dei like in their business and the way they're showing up and all of that um but it's not necessarily lining up in the in the actions are there any common mistakes that you see that people listening could kind of hear and like say oh wait you know to prevent mistakes, I guess, from happening, right? So by anything to name or any common mistakes that you see? Um, well, what I find is that I see a lot of um, like moral perfectionism where people feel like, um, you know, if I can't do everything right now, I may as well not do anything. Or like, it's like, it's just too big. I don't have enough budget. I can't do and I'm not big enough to make a difference. You know, those are the kinds of mindset things that people get stuck in. And then they don't end up doing anything because they just get so overwhelmed where it's like, it can be something that can be cumulative. It's something can be incremental in your improvement. It's something you can take your time in and should take your time on, right? So that you can understand the nuances of what you're trying to achieve so you can consult and learn, right? And then the other piece that I see is that when people start and then get overwhelmed, then there's this sense of like imposition, like what are they going to want next, right? Like I've just done this and then like it, it just gets so overwhelming when they think of like the big picture that it it starts to become this, this piece of like where it, they talk about it like it's like a hostage negotiation mm-hmm. where it's really not like you can really like, yes, it is overwhelming the way language changes over time where expectations can shift, but every facet of your industry is going to change. We all have to keep up with the latest and greatest in what's happening and how we relate to humans is just another dimension of that. So really being open to the fact that like of evaluating each request for accommodation or each challenge where you can be more inclusive as an opportunity to learn and grow. And that it isn't like, you know, it isn't a hostage negotiation. It's a, it's a conversation and it's an ability to connect with your people. I love how you're putting that, I think. And I really like the two, the kind of those things that you're pointing out because I know there's been times like, you know, um, seen it as well as experienced, you know, those types of, of things, both the idea of like, 
the, the overwhelming piece of this is like a process, right? Even if you're just starting out and it's a small business and maybe you don't have that many resources yet. And so the fact that, yes, it, 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 this is a process and it's not like an overnight change, a switch, we switch on or switch off. Um, and so it's something that we can incrementally implement um, and pri- make sure that we're, as long as we're prioritizing it. Um, and, and I love the other part too of, right, that we're going to have to adapt and change no matter what, right? So like, this is an opportunity we're adapting and changing to not cause harm. <laughs> so that's the idea of like, yes, there's change and some, and that that's okay. <laughs> well, and then, I mean, often there, there's an approach like that you want to come in to learn this work so that you don't make a mistake. And really, I mean, Obviously, I want to provide as much information as possible so that people don't cause harm. But we also want to be realistic about the fact that, you know, we're all humans having a human experience together and we are going to make mistakes. Um, And this isn't about being 100% right all the time. It's about doing your best and it's about having the skills to make reparations when when you do make a mistake. It's about um, being resourceful to learn what you need to do to do better in the future and that, you know, as much as, yes, I would love to see everybody be 1000% successful all the time. Like it's about being authentic in your relationship with your audience and finding grace for yourself and others and learning how to navigate those difficult conversations. Because that's the other piece. Often we'll, I'll see people who will show up unprepared for these conversations. They're like, these are difficult conversations. It's like, yes, and we can still prepare and we can still do our homework and we can still do that work so that we can show up at our best. And there's still going to be difficult conversations because they're emotional issues because they impact our daily lives. Um, But that isn't a reason to just be like, oh, well, (laughs) right, right. Right. Can't ignore it. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I really, what you're saying, you know, this, the important piece of like, yes, this is a human experience and we are all going to make mistakes because we're human at some point. And yes, we can work for, you know, and what are reparations and how do we repair the harm that's done when that happens? And, um, and of course do our best to try to prevent it from happening. Um, Yeah. I think that's really key. So I think everyone who's listening, I think that's really key with what Allison was saying. So re-listen to that part if you need to. (laughs) For sure. I mean, I think it's really important to be, I like to approach it from a place of creating a comfortable learning environment because it can be intimidating to be addressing these things. It is scary. Um, You know, lots of people have a lot of feelings around, you know, maybe rejection they've experienced when they've tried to make changes in the past or things that haven't gone as well as they hoped for or things that they had aspirations for, but they didn't have a plan to implement. Um, so there can be a yeah. lot of big feelings about it. And for me, it's not about telling people what they're doing wrong and having them feel like a, a lot of shame. Like I'm not interested in making people feel bad. I'm interested in supporting people to make different choices. Um, and I, what I find is that when you get stuck in that shame spiral, it's hard to make changes, right? When you just feel so badly. I think it's okay to acknowledge what's happened, acknowledge your role and what what privileges that you um, have benefited from, and you can acknowledge the history and, and the present day experience, and then make a choice to be part of a solution moving forward. Yeah, well, that's awesome. What recommendations would you have for, you know, people that are like, okay, I want to 
I, I, I want to do better. Right. They're kind of at that point. I want to do better. Where should I start? Right. Cause I know that's a lot of times it, like you're saying, you know, it feels overwhelming. Is there a, a starting place that you would suggest if someone was having that conversation with you? I mean, for business owners, what I usually recommend is looking at creating a diversity statement so that you have something on your website that explains where you stand on key issues and what kind of support that you have arranged in order to, to, to help people. If you're um, planning to support clients from various demographics, what are the examples of the services and policies that you've implemented that will be helpful and really taking stock of where you're at, where you're going and what matters to you. I think that's a good place to start so that people know where you stand okay. and you can create a plan to move forward. That's awesome. So obviously this work, we know this work can be obviously very emotional. We know it can be hard at times. How do you practice self-care? Um, when you think about it, when you're doing all of these things and leading this work? I mean, I think I try to spend a lot of time with my son. I try to get outside and sleep as much as possible and try to fuel my body to be successful, um, to manage my health as best I can, um, to connect with people and really, really to focus on finding joy because a lot of the, well, work that we do is around addressing inequities and a lot of the stories of how we got here are very sad but we have to also with that take a look at the joy of the cultures and the experiences of the people that we support too because it's not all about trauma and it's not all about sadness and it's not all about um, injustice, it's also about like the, the totality of the experience of existing in these identities. So finding joy and celebrating is really important just yeah. to maintain some level of balance. And, and I find like I have a dark and twisty sense of humor. So <laughs> that helps me manage too. <laughs> a little Wednesday <laughs> Adams. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Living <laughs> that in, that's, that's awesome. Um, so I, I know we covered many, many different things. Is there anything else that you feel like, you know, that could be important for listeners that you want to make sure they know when they're listening? Um, anything else related to that, related to what we're talking about, um, related to the work that you're doing that you think would be helpful for listeners? Um, I mean, I guess I would just say that addressing these issues is a super brave and important thing. Um, I think often as business owners, we can think that, you know, we're too small to make a difference. But when we look at the channels that we've created to support and promote our products and our services and the networks we've built just as humans to support ourselves, right? We trust those to do the job of selling our products or services. We trust those to connect ourselves with the people that we care about and share the things that are important to us. So that's just another way that we can do that we can use we can trust those things with our values and you know you might make a difference um, in the way other people see you um, in terms of what you can teach them and you do have the power to be an influencer if you're a business owner 
um, or an informal leader within your social circle, you have an ability to change hearts and minds and to support people in their own journeys. So even sometimes learning out loud can be helpful because people can be intimidated that like they feel like they should know all the things and that's not necessarily the case. We all learn things when we learn things. So I think really normalizing the learning process and normalizing experiences that might have been challenging along the way and letting people know like yeah this is something that can happen but this is what can come from it and it's all survivable right we can we can all move past it and create deeper and more meaningful relationships wow it's really powerful um so is so for any I'm going to of course put it in the show notes but for anybody who wants to connect with you um get your book any of those things we're going to share any of those things now and I'll of course post in the show notes as well sure thank you yeah my website is alisontedford.com um you can find me on Facebook or Instagram at alisontedford on Twitter at Ali Spins um I have a Patreon where I share information around um residential school and boarding school issues specifically uh, because it's an emerging issue and and it's important to kind of keep on top of what's happening and to be able to have the kinds of conversations that you want to have as an ally. Um, so that's one piece that I've created just because I've spent a lot of time doing public education on that area and it's good to kind of have it all in one place. Um, I have released Chronic Profit, which is a book about chronic pain and entrepreneurship, which is like DEI for your own business in terms of how to accommodate yourself as a person with a disability. And then in April, um, my book, Stay Woke, Not Broke, is coming out and it's available for pre-order now on Amazon. And um, I think it's on Barnes and Noble also. It's going to be popping up all sorts of places. Books are sold. So I love that title. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just, there's just this sense that if you make a statement that you're going to maybe risk your business and alienate your customers, but really what you're going to do is you're going to find your people. You're going to find alignment with people who care about the things you care about, who are going to be like, heck yes, I want to work with someone who believes these things. I want to support this. So so as you're going on all of those things, I, I forgot about your, your Patreon. So I'm so glad I actually want to take a minute to just talk about that because I think that I, when I saw it, I did see it and it was and so awesome. So how did you even like get started to, to do that on that focus? Um, well, when I was 18, I showed up to a clerical job from a temp agency and it turned out to be Indian Residential Schools Resolution Canada. And what I was looking to do at that point, I was like, a, I supported researchers. And I spent three years working with residential school survivor issues. I moved into the prison system where I encountered survivors who were inmates, staff, and elders. I left government and worked on two movies that shared like the promotion of two movies that shared issues around residential schools. And now I work with nonprofits who are working to address a legacy. My grandfather is a residential school survivor and I've written on the topic extensively. So when these things come up, people tend to come to me around that. And there's been a lot of information coming because essentially with in Canada, there was a truth and reconciliation process where it was discussed that there were 
an estimated 4,100 unmarked graves um, relating to residential school attendance. Now, estimates now are likely around like the 25,000 mark. And there are 139 schools that are gonna be looked at for further um, investigation because there have been these stories of what what happened there. And within the US, there were over 300 schools and there's the Federal Boarding School Truth Initiative that's being enacted by Deb Holland where those these schools are going to be looked at also and they will be looking for unmarked graves. And basically right now it's been such a focus in the media and some of the coverage hasn't been great. Um, there's been context missing. There have been a lot of conversations with people who either don't think it was a big deal or think that we're all rushing to judgment around things. And so having allies being able to have the information available, about what research has been done, what do we know, what is the context, means that they're able to have the conversations they need to have so that survivors and their families aren't needing to have those conversations. Right. So that's basically why I created it and also to have it all together. And because like it is a tremendously big amount of emotional labor around a highly sensitive topic. Yeah. And I'm grateful to have the professional experience to be able to speak to it. But re the reality is, is that speaking about the genocide of your people like on a consistent basis is really um, kind of emotionally draining and yeah. difficult. Um, so I really wanted to make sure that I had a supportive container for it so that I could be as effective as possible in addressing the questions right. and support people without um, having all sorts of things coming from all sorts of places as we're navigating. Because the reality is, is that for the next several years, we are going to be uncovering um, these sites and it's, it's a lot. So yeah. um, having a strategy to manage the information is really important. No, I mean, that's amazing. You know, thank you. Thank you for everything you're doing. And, you know, thank you for creating that. And I think for listeners, that's like, a that's really important because we don't always know where to get, you know, how to get information, where to get information, where to go to learn. Um, and so this is a great opportunity for listeners. You know, if you, you're looking for resources and learning more and doing that, like, to become part and you know and support your Patreon and then have access to those materials is, is amazing. Um, so I just want to say, you know, thank you, Allison. Thank you for the amazing work that you are doing for the world, for the community, for everybody. And and thank you for your wisdom and sharing it today on our show. Thank you so, so much. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate the work that you do in the world and the way you inspire people to do different things with them, their lives, and to be able to be members of the community in the way that they want to be. So I really admire that. Thank you. That was awesome having you. Now it's time for you to reflect, decide what your next steps are, and start taking action. For additional support, join our mailing list and be the first to get access to new resources, workshops, and upcoming events. The link is in the show notes. Until next time.